Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, all about movies. And today my guest is, ready for it? <laughs> IMAX, large format film camera technician, Scott Smith. And we're going to be talking about Oppenheimer. Scott did all of the IMAX camera work on Oppenheimer. And so I'm really excited to talk to him about this film. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to have you here. So let's talk about what you do, that you work with IMAX primarily. Is that what you normally usually do? You work with Chris Nolan almost exclusively, but you work on a lot of movies, actually. You've got quite the resume, but Christopher Nolan, who is famous for working in IMAX, is someone that you've worked with extensively. So let's talk a little bit how you got into this. Well, I've been dealing with the IMAX cameras for a lot of years, and because of it, I was sort of the guy who was in line to become the IMAX camera technician. You know, in most Northern America, if an IMAX camera is being used somewhere, I'm probably there with it. IMAX film camera specifically. When I first came down to Los Angeles, I worked for a company called Continental Camera. And at Continental, they had this really interesting camera system that would be installed in Learjets. And I would install the cameras. It was like a periscope system. And we'd fly around other airplanes in the sky and shoot air to air. Wow. Every so often, and this was like in the mid 80s. And every so often, the IMAX guys would show up and we'd put an IMAX camera in the nose cone of the plane so we could shoot POV shots, point of view shots. So I got to know those cameras and I got to know the guys and pretty soon I was working with the cameras as an assistant and focus puller and so forth over the years. So I've been, I was sort of the guy who had more experience with them than anybody by the time I got offered the position of being the lead technician on them. So how did you and Christopher Nolan get connected? Because you've worked on quite a few of his films, obviously. You've worked on the Batman series, Dunkirk, Tenant, quite a few of them. Obviously yeah, Oppenheimer, which we'll get into. Yeah, Chris is a really a brilliant guy, obviously. I'm sure that he felt like if I'm going to make a great movie, I want it presented in the finest way it can be presented. And I'm sure he had seen IMAX footage before projected in film and decided this is the finest image you can get, which it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he decided to, you know, his, I, I've heard that he said something like, look, if they can take these cameras into outer space and the top of Mount Everest, then they can use them in feature films. So he started using the IMAX cameras on The Dark Knight, which was, uh, I think, around 2008. And he did like I think five or six scenes with the, with the IMAX camera and I was on that film I day played on that film as a helicopter technician that also knew the cameras that we were using the IMAX cameras for the helicopter shots so I sort of got to know him then and then the first movie that I worked basically wire to wire with the cameras as the technician was Interstellar. A wonderful film which I did see on uh, an IMAX theater so talk a little bit about what's different about shooting with an I'm you know a camera that it's for IMAX you know for film and IMAX versus a regular. So our listeners understand a little bit what the differences are, a regular camera that's not IMAX. I'm glad you asked that question, Jan. Thank you. Because I see, I see, I'm sort of a film advocate, and I see myself as sort of an ambassador for IMAX. IMAX started in about 1967, and so these cameras, these what, what's called 15 perf, the perforations on the on the edges of the film. It's a 15 perf hole through the camera, uh, one frame at a time, and the film 65 millimeter negative is going through the camera horizontally. So it's the largest picture you can make on the largest negative you can make, and the size of that picture is about 10 times the size 
size of a regular 35 millimeter camera. So when it's projected in a theater, it's the finest image you can get. So IMAX 15 per film is the finest imaging system available commercially in the world today as it was in the early 70s. No digital cameras have surpassed it. The amount of information on one frame of that film is equivalent to about 18K of digital space. So there are no 18K digital cameras being used in film. It's still the finest image out there. Amazing. And also, I would I would like to talk uh, for a minute about people who go to IMAX theaters in, in multiplexes. Now, you've got several theaters that are regular theaters and maybe one or two that say IMAX on them. Right. IMAX will not put their name on these theaters unless they come in and retrofit it with their own gear. And by their own gear, I mean they put in a super high luminance screen that's audibly transparent because there's speakers behind it. They have the finest projectors. The projectors are twin lens 8K laser projectors, which are better than any of the other projectors in that multiplex. They have the best sound system bar none. And one other thing that they offer is that the theater next door might be projected in 240, which is to say that the image is, the screen is 2.4 times as wide as it is tall. In the IMAX theater, that projection is 1.9. So you get a little bit more information on top and bottom of the screen than you would in the other theaters. So, I mean, I've had my own friends have said, you know, I paid the extra five bucks to see it in the IMAX theater and the screen was the same size. I, I, I got ripped off. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Let me tell you what you got. First of all, did you like the movie? Oh, yeah, the movie was great. You know? <laughs> well, you, you got some help because of the, uh, the way it's presented is, is superior. So if you have a movie that you really care about seeing, the extra five bucks is worth it. You're getting so much more. Definitely. There's no question about that. I think what was interesting, about, I mean, I've been a resurgence. There was an article, I believe it was in Variety last week about IMAX theaters and how they're selling out three weeks in advance for Oppenheimer right now. And that also was real interesting that, and you can answer this, the, the film for Oppenheimer itself, because it's a three hour film, was 11 miles and weighs over 600 pounds. So can you talk about that a little bit? Why? Well, you did a little bit because it's a wider, bigger film, but I actually saw pictures of Chris Nolan showing the reel of the IMAX film that was going to theaters. Can you talk a little bit more about that in more detail? Yeah, Chris realizes that the production value and the beauty of the image is so worth the problems. And the problems are, you're correct, it's a lot of film. I mean, when we roll a thousand feet of film through our cameras, which is the normal size magazine, that's three minutes. That's just three minutes. So you figure you figure the answer print, if it's three hours, 180 minutes, that's 60,000 feet of film, which is, you know, 11.3 miles of film. You need a forklift to put that platter up to go through the projector. <laughs> it makes it difficult, but Chris, for this premiere, asked that we get all of the IMAX projectors, the film projectors, working and, and ready to go, which I think resulted in 30 or 31 worldwide, 19 of which are here in the United States, and uh, and they had to pull some of these projectionists out of retirement to do right. it. So, right. <laughs> But I'm telling you, if, I'm telling you and, and whoever's listening, if you get a chance to see it projected in film, in IMAX film on a full-size screen, it's it's mind-blowing. It's immersive. It's, it's It feels like you could reach into the picture. I mean, you, you won't turn back. And what you were saying about the reviews and the enthusiasm for this release is true. 
true, it's closing in on or maybe over seven hundred million dollars in the IMAX theaters, uh, and the IMAX theaters are a key part of that. And people are saying, "I've never seen a movie like this before. This is spectacular. I want to see all my movies like this." And I honestly, I think the studios are listening. Yeah, yeah. When the, I read a quote. Let's see if I can find it very quickly. If Hollywood's going to be investing in anything, they should be investing in IMAX. And it's about trying to keep film alive, you know, and that more and more people, because again, we want more of an immersive experience. Versus now, because of obviously the pandemic where we couldn't really go to theaters and we were watching them at home, I think we've kind of gotten used to, hey, it's really relaxing just to lay in bed and watch, you know, movies. But there's nothing, and I've said this over and over again, that ever compares to going to see a film in the movie theater and IMAX actually just makes it 10 times better to see it in an IMAX theater but as you alluded to go ahead go ahead there's only 30 in the world and there's only 19 in this country so it's very hard but there are people that I read about who are traveling over a couple of states just to be able to see Oppenheimer in an IMAX theater so yeah go ahead Chris uh, Scott well I was just going to say I think I think you know because of Oppenheimer and a few recent films that film and IMAX in specifically are, are on the rise. And I think IMAX is going to uh, invest in more theaters, more projectors. And, you know, Chris Nolan, in large part, uh, is is really responsible for that. Yes, I give yes. him a lot of credit because, you know, he uh, he's all about the theater experience. And he uh, and several other producers, directors, cinematographers called Kodak and said, You've got to keep making film, and they said, "Well, I, well, you know, I, I, it's it's tough, and it's it's going away. Business is going away." And Chris basically said, "Well, what, what's it going to take for you guys to keep making film?" And it was a simple bottom line. They just said, "Well, we need to make X amount of dollars, or we can't keep doing it." And Chris said, "Well, I promise you, we'll make we'll make that nut from here on in." And now it's on the rise. I mean, these guys are busy again, which is fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah, I read that you took out there. There were several um, Kodak and play employees who went out of retirement to help with this. And he also, for two years, he, um, what I read also that for two years he hired technicians to go across the the world, actually to all the theaters, making sure they were all up to snuff before he released this film. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He's he wanted to make sure that there was as many. Projectors, projection, uh, projectors, and screens available as possible. Pretty amazing. But I, I got to tell you, though, uh, working with these cameras on set is uh, is uh, an amazing thing. Um, you know, Chris uses uh, this amazing cinematographer, Hoyta Van Hoytema, and he is just uh, a genius. And uh, as is Chris, right? And he's put him. He's built around himself an amazing uh, group of people. His his focus puller and uh, first is uh, uh, Keith Davis, and the second is Amy uh, is uh, uh, Emily Amos, and they are stellar. And when you think about what how uh, an IMAX camera works, because the picture behind the lens in the camera is so large, it needs more light. And because it because it needs more light, you got to open the aperture. When you open the aperture, the amount of stuff on that set that's in focus reduces to sometimes down to an inch. So Keith has got to keep that focus on an actor's eyeball. And unfortunately for him, when actors are acting, they move. <laughs> so he, you know, it's a tough job. I think it's the job on the set that most people would be afraid to do. <laughs> wow! Wow! I was going to ask you. So are you are you filming in IMAX at the same time? that they're filming regular film? Um, film? Are you doing it simultaneously, or do do you have to go back and redo it? How does that actually work? 
Well, the, the, the type of cameras that Chris Nolan uses on his set are two. They, the IMAX uh, film camera, which is the 15 per film going through that camera, three, three minutes, a thousand feet at a time. <clears throat> and then he uses uh, some Panavision cameras called System 65, which use the same 65 millimeter negative, but it goes through the camera vertically at five perfs at, at a time. But the thing that's special about those cameras is when they run, they're silent. They're, they're uh, sync sound cameras. So if there's some kind of really delicate uh, dialogue, then they use those cameras. And uh, you can see in the movies that, that Chris produces that the aspect ratio will change in the movie. And that, that's going from one camera to the other. And uh, the problem for the IMAX camera is that they're, that they're pretty loud. But right now, IMAX is currently building new cameras that they're going to try and make quieter and uh, more, more modernized for today's feature sets. Just fascinating. So what's it like working with Chris Nolan? You've worked with him on, as I said, quite a few of his films. Uh, how is that? I mean, I, I adore him. I, I think I, we, we talked, I mentioned that to you that I just think he's one of the great directors that we have today. Um, but what's it like to work with him? Well, he's an incredible guy. He, uh, the, I look at him as the modern day Stanley Kubrick. You know, mm-hmm. I when I when we were in uh, Estonia on uh, Tenet, I ran into one of the actors downtown on a day off, and he said, "You know, Chris Nolan working from him, him it's the most amazing thing. I, I, I've been I've been hoping that I'd be, get a chance, and now I'm finally doing it. And man, he's so cool. He goes." He's the no bullshit director. I mean, he he doesn't have a video village with people sitting watching monitors. He doesn't, uh, you know, he stands next to the camera and directs his actors. There's no digital stuff on set. I mean, you know, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, he's just uh, an amazing guy. And and uh, he, I think he has a pretty solid record of being under budget and under schedule for almost every movie he's ever made. So. That's pretty cool. But he's the producer and director at the same time. I mean, his wife is producer as well, Emma. Right. Yeah, they have a great uh, relationship. Yes, Emma uh, Tom- Thomas, right? Emma Thomas is his wife. Who's yeah, the, Emma Thomas. Is, is the, his producing partner and has been for years. I, I got the opportunity um, at the Toronto Film Festival a number of years ago where um, the very first IMAX theater ever in the world was in Toronto. And I don't ask me what year they, they had the IMAX theater there, but over the years it had closed. And prior to the festival, they took, I don't know how long, at least a year or longer to get the IMAX theater up and running again in Toronto, the very first. And Chris was there and they showed Dunkirk. It was a free screening of Dunkirk. And if you were lucky enough to get a ticket, which I was, uh, we got to see Dunkirk on the IMAX theater, the very first one. So that was even more exciting. And then to have Chris there for a Q&A, that was fascinating. What was it like working on that film? Because I, I love that movie. I love Dunkirk. And that was just, I, you know, having seen it, it always makes me cry every time I watch it. Well, I I hate to say it, but it, it was probably the most miserable movie I've ever worked on. Oh, no, <laughs> now, don't don't get me wrong. I love the movie, and it's it's absolutely absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. It really is beautiful. But man, the conditions were horrible. But you know, Chris and Hoyda are like, well, you know, horrible days make for good pictures. You know, <laughs> but I mean, it was it was rainy and cold and. And salt, salt water foam flying through the air and sand and, 
Oh, it was just, it was tough on me because I had to keep the cameras working. But man, what a beautiful movie it was! Mm-hmm. But you yes. know, the thing is, when you're uh, the thing is, it's great uh, on these sets with Chris and so forth. When you're rolling an IMAX camera, it, you know, film is precious so everybody's really on point and they're really paying attention so i mean uh, you know and i wouldn't want to say that nobody uh, that anybody is not in any circumstance but especially in these circumstances chris is chris is all business and he he does what we call all guns loaded which is basically if you're there and you're on the call sheet for the day whether they're going to use you or your gear or not you're standing there ready to go with all your stuff ready to go all day long and you know, I mean, everybody is on point. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. I'd say, and it's you know, obviously a, a very a, you know, ultimate uh, crew. And you know, sometimes I've looked around and thought, man, what am I doing here? <laughs> These guys really know what they're doing. <laughs> but uh, but uh, seriously, it's it's pretty amazing the, the people he's he's uh, put together for these films. Is that why his films, because of the way he does work efficiently, it sounds very efficiently that they've been under budget and you know under and getting finished before you know ahead of schedule. schedule. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know the studios. Uh, the studios love that. I mean, he, all of, I, I believe all of his movies have made uh, money, and uh, and you finish under budget, under schedule. They love that as well. So right. I mean, they you know, Universal is very happy to have them. Yeah. Well, it's it, this film has made well over seven hundred million dollars so far, and continues to you know to reap in more and more every weekend. Um, you know, the audience keeps growing, or people are going back to see it again. I know I want to see it a second time because there's so much in it. Uh, I want to go back and, you know, just, yeah, just take it in. I, I'm going to well, actually look for an IMAX theater. So. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Because that's, that, that's the way that Chris intends the viewer to see it, is uh, an IMAX uh, 15 perf projector on a full-size IMAX screen. It's it's just mind-blowing. But I've, I've gotten to see it four times. I do this thing um, uh, called the Dog and Pony Show. I've done for a lot of films, uh, IMAX films, Star Wars and Chris's movies and so forth. And that is that I'll stand in the lobby of the theater uh, at where the premiere is being held with a, with a camera, with an IMAX camera to answer questions and so forth. And uh, and um, for this, for Oppenheimer, it, I got the biggest response I've ever seen. People crowding around the camera. And what was funny is uh, at Man's Chinese Theater, they, they yeah. on the way out of the theater, they're all crowding around talking to me about the camera. And at some point, the theater people came up to me and said, look, Smitty, we got to get these people out of here because the, ne- the next group coming in. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but it's cool. People are really interested. People dri- driving all the way from like St. Louis and Arizona to, to come here to wow. see this film. It's amazing. That is amazing. That really is amazing. You're right. You're right. Well, there was a lot, you know, everybody was anxiously waiting for this film to come out, and it didn't disappoint in any way. Uh, you know, the anything that all the accolades it's getting, it certainly deserves, and, you know, and you're part of that, you know, that process. It's got to be yeah, exciting. They, yeah, so so many actors. I mean, they, they had over 20 unbelievable actors in this movie. I mean, every week we were looking around going, oh, is that so-and-so? Is that so-and-so? In fact, it was funny. The day that um, Tom Conti showed up, um, he played Einstein. Right. And he showed up on the set in, in, in makeup and, co- and, and wardrobe. And we're looking at this guy going, man, who is that? that? 
Now that who, that guy, he must only play uh, Einstein. It must be the only character he ever plays. It's per- he's perfect, and he, he must have the accent down. Then we found out it was Tom. We walked over and go, Tom, it's you. He goes, Yeah, it's the first time I've ever done this. <laughs> but he was brilliant. He was fantastic in it. He really was. He really was. The one that I think everybody's been the most surprised about is Robert Downey Jr. A lot of people did not oh. recognize him in this film, and I will say this now, and I've said it to a lot of people: if he's not nominated for best supporting actor something's wrong with the academy because well, he's brilliant if he doesn't get it something's wrong i agree i mean he what was brilliant yes yeah what a performance yeah. that, that, that guy was just stupendous i got goosebumps i got goosebumps no it was the best and he's wonderful anyhow he's a wonderful actor but i think this is one of his best performances really and, and killian and killian oh, just God. so rocked i mean what he put into that what he put into that character is i mean it's hard to even measure. I mean, he read so much. He's, he, 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 uh, you know, he, what he, he just delivered. I mean, yes, he did. Yes, he I mean, did. We, when we did hair and makeup tests, by the way, the makeup person, um, uh, it was, um, um, God, Luisa, Luisa Abel. Um, she is a, a magician. Now, I, I, because mm-hmm. the face, you know, like, let's consider a close up, a 50 foot tall face on the screen. Your, the makeup better be great. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's amazing. But we did we did makeup tests that, that she aged uh, um, uh, Killian like for four different ages, uh, just in one day, and wow. it was unbelievable uh, to see. But I mean, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Killian, you know, just delivered so well, and yes, and you know, from college age until you know. Getting that award at the end of the movie, it's like amazing yeah. what they did with him. Really amazing. And I, you know, the, my, the most memorable um, performance of his is, is, is another Christopher Nolan film, which is Batman uh, Begins. I think Batman Begins when he plays the, you know, the, the villain in that film. And, and he just stood out, you know, and, and then. And he's been in a number of uh, Chris's films, and this was nice that he got to be the leading character, and he did a fabulous yeah, he, job. I think with he it. had been in like five five of Chris's movies, and when when Chris called him to ask him to be the lead in this movie, he was he was so honored. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he's he's very humble about it. I mean, yeah. the way he describes it, he said he after he hung up the phone, he said he had to sit down. <laughs> Well, he did deliver. Before we go, though, I really want to talk about the special effects because I have had, to, you know, I've told a lot of friends. I said, "Look, there, there's no CGI in this movie. Chris does not use CGI. He does not like CGI." <laughs> and so, well, let's CGI talk about that. CGI requires a CGI requires a DI, a digital in- intermediate, and he doesn't like anything digital, as we say. Right, right. So, let's, because the, the, to make the atomic bomb and to make that feel real. I mean, talk a little bit about what that process was and the magicians who uh, created that. Well, it was it was a collaboration between the special effects guy, Scott Fisher, and the visual effects uh, guy, Andrew Jackson. And between the two of them, it, it was amazing to see. I mean, Andrew told me, I, it, he was literally using ball bearings and magnets and you know, uh, uh, welding slag, and I mean, just all kinds of crazy, th- uh, you know, uh, aquariums with underwater lenses, and it was li- literally science experiments wow. going on, and it was all with practical stuff. And you know, I talked to Andrew about. It. I said, "Man, you're just using stuff off the shelf to make these things. It's amazing." He goes, "Well, I I grew up on a farm, 
And if we needed to do something, we had to make our own tools or find something that would work. And he said, that's, that's sort of what I do. Amazing. And, he, you know, it, it was the, obviously the outcome is just mind-blowingly beautiful. I it mean, what is. he did is fantastic. It really is. Well, Scott, I could continue to talk with you, but our time is up. But everybody, thank you for your time today and, and really letting us know more about the behind the scenes of, you know, making of Oppenheimer. And everyone, please go seek if you have even if you've seen it already go seek out an IMAX theater and see Oppenheimer in an IMAX theater it will change your whole perspective of this film even more see it on the biggest screen you can find (laughs) (laughs) great Scott thank you so much have a great day take care thank you Jan to all my wonderful loyal listeners your love of film allows me to do what I do if you want to support me the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube, subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampriceshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.